Hello and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by Alex Marrett's right foot to my left foot. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, how are you good, sir? I'm very good. I'm very good. I, I don't know. I'm getting a bit of the, the seasonal depression. Like, oh. the summer is now officially over and it's now wet and windy and I don't want to go on a dog walk. So, it's not ideal. Oh. It's not ideal start. Oh, that's, that's very sad. Is there any way we can cheer you up on this glorious Thursday? Talking about Alex Mount's left foot. We can do that. I can certainly do that. We'll do that in a sec, Justin. Don't you worry. This is the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. Yes, that's right. We're going to talk about all the games from midweek in the championship. Had some incredible goals, incredible results, incredible entertainment. We'll go through all of that and dissect it bit by bit. Talk about some of the news from the championship over the past few days. And then we'll finish off with the controversial as ever, Craig Bryson pub quiz but before we start listener may I point you in the direction of our friends over at Fansbet the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans do check them out at fansbet.com and claim your bet 10 get 10 welcome offer terms and restrictions apply full details on site 18 plus please do gamble responsibly visit begambleaware.org for more info and do also check out Fansbet responsible gambling tools you will also see us contributing to their social content talking all things championship so do give them a follow on your socials so let's start off by talking about West Brom who are back top of the league after thumping Cardiff 4-0 this was all about a contender for goal of the season Justin talk me through Curtis Nelson's own goal <laughs> it was a, it was actually one of the better own goals you see won't, won't it it was very very good um, it was a very convincing finish he made good contact with it it hit the post how unlucky he, is that yeah, I, I don't <laughs> really know how he's managed to do it but he's kind of shinned it hasn't he He sliced it Mm. and shinned it at the same time and then managed to find the net when he's not even facing net I don't think he could do it again if he tried no he's he's certainly had to relocate his limbs for that one it was uh, it was a special own goal one there who I remember for a while Uh, and I hope he gets stick for it for a while as well because yeah very very unorthodox I, I think it would go down as probably own goal of the season I feel like it's going to take something special to try and dislodge that the Matty Pearson one the other week was was a good one it was yeah, yeah you pointed out it was Jimmy Traore-esque so it was Jimmy Traore would have been very <laughs> proud of that if he was still with us but Curtis Nelson I think that that's a special one in many different ways um, because if you saw that in a Sunday league game you'd instantly just leave it happens quite a lot on a Sunday I'll, I'll to differ so and we're all still there (laughs) fair enough let's talk about the second best goal in the game Justin talk me through this incredible incredible strike by the boy Alex Mowat I I like how you come to me like I'm some sort of footballing expert like I'm the F2 guys who dissect volleys on YouTube on a daily I don't know if they still do it um I'm, you know, technique-wise, I'm not an, an amazing uh, individual, but I can certainly big up a goal, and this is one of the better ones you'll see. As a half volley goes, this was as crisp 
as anything. This was beautiful. A, a, a looping header, a looping defensive header comes out to the edge of the box. And Alex Mount has the right frame of mind to absolutely launch it into the top corner on half volley. Who has that confidence? It's ridiculous. It's true. The technique a man has to have to hit a ball like that, as you quite rightly say, on the half volley is it's astounding. And with this left foot of Alex Mowitz, which I think we've spoken about plenty of times on this show, it's it's Ridiculous. the it's the equivalent of an illegal weapon at this point. I'm just going to turn off my team's notifications. Um, it is it's just an incredible left foot, isn't it? We've seen him score plenty of worldies now over the past three or four years that he's been in the championship, and this is by far the best. And that says a lot about how deadly that left foot is. It's got to be a contender for goal of the season. I think it's goal of the season for me so far, at the very least. And I think we'll be talking about it come the end of the season as well. Because what a strike, Justin. Uh, let's focus on the game as a whole. Where does this rank on the spankometer for you in the list <laughs> of spankings? You know you're going to have to create a graphic now for spankometer. I will have to do that. <laughs> Um, yeah, it was it was quite a spanking, wasn't it? And um, Cardiff are on the receiving end of two in a row. I thought the Blackburn game was was bad enough for Cardiff for for for, for this one. You sort of expect it a little bit of West Brom because they're so um, so ruthless at creating chances, and um, the finishing is finally caught up with that. So I wouldn't I wouldn't go too far down the other end of the spectrum on the old spankometer, but it's certainly certainly up there with a with a thrashing because this was a bad day for Cardiff. It was a bad day for Cardiff, and I think the Curtis Nelson own goal kind of summed it up, really. Yeah. I don't think it would go that high on the old spankometer, just because West Brom didn't create an abundance of chances. Two of the goals were beautiful strikes, the other one being from Carl and Grant. And then the only real golden chance that they actually created in this game was the fourth goal, um, tucked away by Matty Phillips. So I don't think it will rank that high. It wasn't a complete masterclass by West Brom, but it was three very well-taken goals plus a comical own goal. But I think in the end, they just came up against a really poor Cardiff team, which we'll get onto in a sec. Grady Dean Garner got an assist, his first goal contribution in over a year. So that's good to see from him. And West Brom still unbeaten this season. And as I say, top of the league now. So all looking good at the Hawthorns once again. Cardiff, Justin... Never really got out of the blocks, did they? They haven't been out of the blocks for a couple of weeks, have they? Um, it's yeah, it's it's a really bad run of form for Mick McCarthy side, and apart from that run of games he had um, when he first came in, he's not really got going yet, which is a bit of a surprise because I fancy them as outsiders for the playoffs, but performances so far this season, even in some of the wins, just haven't been good enough. Um, I think the last win uh, against Forest, they were really poor for the first half and quite lucky to come up against Chris Hewton's side that was equally as poor um, but I, I think that the, the problems go a lot further than, than Mick McCarthy I think the, there's problems with recruitment over the summer they didn't replace key creative players which we've mentioned a lot already um, Kiefer Moore has had Covid um, so he's not really got going yet either this season there's a lot of um, there's a lot of bad cogs turning the wrong way for Cardiff at the moment it's, it seems to be going against them yeah I don't think the playoffs is necessarily out of reach at this point but I feel like it's getting to the point where if they do still aim 
for the playoffs this season, then they may have to think about Mick McCarthy's future. Because I think looking at the West Brom game, they could still be playing now and Cardiff wouldn't have scored. <laughs> it was one of those performances really for them. And it's just not working at the moment. And it's clear to see, you know, two spankings in a row is never good for any side, let alone one that should be challenging for the playoffs. Yes, you're right. Creativity is a massive, massive issue. And whoever comes in will have to try and overcome that issue. Um, but right now, it's hard to see Mick McCarthy turning this around just because it has been so bad. He is a very good manager at this level. We can't forget that. But the the difference in performances now compared to those first few games of the season is astounding, quite frankly. Bizarre championship result of the game week goes to Luton v Coventry. Luton without a win in six, playing Coventry who are unbeaten in four. So of course Luton won 5-0. The championship, ladies and gentlemen. All I can say is I picked a very good time at the weekend to say Luton will turn around their form. <laughs> yeah, it was... Um, <laughs> so I was expecting this, to be honest. I was expecting some sort of gloat. Um, and as you say, it was it was perfect time. But it was it was playing for everybody to see, to see the, the chances they were creating, the chances they missed against Bournemouth. Um, there was going to be a team on the other end of a, of a thrashing, and unfortunately, it was it was Coventry, which is the biggest surprise because of how good they've been defensively this season. That's all yeah. been undone in one game. Um, I, I will admit, I will admit, when I was saying this, I, and I was saying Luton's <laughs> form will turn around, I did not expect it to come in this game, especially with a five 0 thrashing. Well, th- there you go. But that's again, that's just the beauty of the championship. I I, I love the unpredictability of the the night games in midweek because. It just, I mean, Derby v Reading is another example of results going a different way you'd expect. Um, and just night games throw these these little um, these little dents in in, in teams' past, but um, bumps, I should say. <laughs> um, but with with Luton, as as we know, they've been so good at creating chances this season. They really have been. They just haven't been putting away. Adebayo will be the first to admit that he should have more goals this season. Um, Luke Berry has been in. Re- ridiculously good form um, I think he's gone under the radar quite a, uh, quite a bit and Nathan Jones pointed out that um, Jordan Clark was the best free transfer in history in his post-match presser which is pretty f- interesting considering Lionel Messi was a free transfer for PSG it's a big this, statement, this summer it? as well it is a big statement but that shows the confidence and belief he has in the team and um, uh, you have the same belief and confidence in this Luton side yeah Luton were absolutely class here Harry Cornick Got two goals and two assists. He only got one goal in forty games last season, so he's all managed to mm. already managed to overturn that tally in this game alone. But you're quite right, Luton. They've been knocking on the door for ages, and it was just about you know putting away those chances because they've been creating some incredible chances over the past I don't know three or four weeks, just not putting them away, and it's all just mm. been about tucking away those chances. Adebayo is one man who you've got to point the finger at for that not being the case. But now he looks like he is becoming the striker that we hoped he would be at the start of the season. And it's all about building confidence with him now, isn't it? Because he's got two goals here. And now that he's got that, hopefully he'll be able to score more across the course of the season. And if they have that, then Luton have got a brilliant target man up front who's going to work his arse off for the team at the same time. So, yeah, all positives here for Luton. Hopefully this is a turning point in their results. I think for Coventry, Justin, all you can say is they just didn't turn up. It was a bad day at the office, wasn't it? And 
I think all you can say is just dust yourselves down and go again because as far as consistency in, in play goes, Coventry have been very good at it this season. I mean, you, you've only got to look at the, the uh, Birmingham City beating Luton 5-1 the other week. The, just the unpredictability and, you know, if you don't show up, that's what can happen. And obviously this has happened with this game. So, yeah, it's a really disappointing result for Coventry, but it just goes to show that with any side, you have to be on it. You, you have to be on it. You cannot... Um, you cannot ease up and if you're going for the playoffs it's another example of not letting yourselves ease up Spot on Middlesbrough picked up somewhat of a shock win against Sheffield United they won 2-0 Duncan Watmore with a glorious finish Justin I, I, I tell you what Alex Mauer's goal was obviously goal of the season so far and clearly goal of the midweek games but Duncan Watmore's it's up there as well isn't it it was it was a good goal, but I'd argue that Mark Bowler's touch to bring the long ball down and to pass yes, it into Watmore was better. Uh, that was that was an incredible first touch from a from a left back of of, of all of all positions. Not to discredit any fullbacks out there, you're all good as well. Um, <laughs> but he's he's another player who hasn't got going for Borough this season. There's there's a lot that falls into the category and that 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 shows what he what he's capable of um, because he's he's a very very good player. Borough with very good value for the win here. I thought they were the better side marginally against Sheffield United. Yeah, Paddy McNair's goal wasn't bad either, was it? That's good. Yeah. I don't I, I don't think too many people saw this result coming, obviously, because both teams were seemingly going in opposite directions. What a result for the Borough though, and. It was an organised win. I wouldn't go as far to say it's a corner turned, but it definitely eases the pressure on Warnock, who was a... I don't think he ever feels the pressure, really, does he? But it was definitely building in some form. Mm-hmm. Um, someone in particular who stood out for me and has got to deserve a lot of praise is Sol Bamba. It was only his second league start for Borough. Um, and, of course, this is after he's been fighting cancer and has overcome cancer in the past what is it nine months now so for him to you know complete 90 minutes here he was the most solid defender on the pitch it's just remarkable and what is he 36 now Mm -hmm. so many superlatives and you wouldn't expect a performance from somebody who has gone through what he's gone through but he was class absolutely class so that brought a wry old smile to my face well done soul can't get enough of that um let's talk Sheffield United Justin because I don't think they were too bad, but you can't deny it's a disappointing result when they were just looking like they were starting to get going. Yeah, you're right. It, it wasn't too bad, but it wasn't good, was it? You know, no. they're they're a, they're a side who need to be fighting for the for for a position in the top four, ideally, um, and that wasn't the performance of a of, of a team that was that was doing that. I thought they were poor against Derby, and I thought they were relatively poor here as well um, that's something that needs to be managed because they've got really good experienced players and they shouldn't be dipping like this so quickly also I think there's an over-reliance on Billy Sharp um, and considering the armoury they have up front yeah. that's something that needs to be addressed very quickly because Billy Sharp scores goals he does, he absolutely does but to rely on a 34-35 year old striker for 46 games this season when you've got I don't know, upwards of £40 million worth of strikers in and around the squad it's not good enough Mm. they seem to struggle against physical teams which is something I've noticed it makes me wonder if their midfield is possibly a bit lightweight but one to keep an eye on for Sheffield United and Alexander Mitrovic hat-trick saw Fulham beat Swansea 3-1 a big shout out to the betting podcast where I tipped a Mitrovic hat-trick at 18-1 so 
Just give it a listen, guys, is all I'm going to say. New episode coming out at some point today. But let's give some praise to Mitrovic, who, at this point, it, nobody really gives him praise because we just kind of expect him to be this goal machine at this level, don't we, Justin? He's got 10 goals in 10 games now. In his championship career, he's scored 52 goals in 92 championship games. We all know how good a player he is, but every so often you've just got to stop and just notice how good a player Alexander Mitrovic is at championship level. I think you look at the numbers and you go, wow, okay, that's that's incredible. But I think even just looking at his finishes last night, they were so instinctive. Yeah. They were they were so, so instinctive and really, really good. And you just go, you are the real deal. You are one of those players that is just far too good for this league. Um, and you shouldn't really be playing in it. And I think that's testament to Fulham for being able to convince him that Fulham's the right place for him because no doubt that if there was any sort of spectrum uh, uh, speckle, sorry, of, of him wanting to leave, then then he would have gone. Um, but he's clearly happy playing at Fulham um, and he's, he, he's happy playing the, the football he's playing and he's such a good number nine at this level, arguably one of the best. I think he's a better all-round striker than Troy Deeney, so that's a debate for another day. Um and yeah, just just the, the numbers that he posts is just ridiculous. He's just ruthlessly efficient at this level. Yeah, he's the all-round striker, the perfect all-round striker at this level, isn't he? He's just absolutely class. There is a you know a debate to be had over whether he's the best championship striker there's ever been. There's plenty of options, but he's got to be in the conversation because he just scores goals, doesn't he, at this level? There's no arguing it. He is mm. just a pure goal scorer. But Fulham, yeah, were fairly comfortable here. Harry Wilson had a clear penalty that wasn't given. I can't believe that's not been given. It doesn't really matter because obviously Fulham won 3-1, but on another day, it could have been a scandalous decision. Um, Swansea, I don't think there's much you can really say about them, can you? Jamie Patterson scored a beautifully sexy goal. Um, had a lot of time for that, but yeah, when you're losing 3-1 away at Fulham, you just got to hold your hands up and say they were the better team, haven't you? No, definitely. And it's worth pointing out the assist from Pyro, by the way. That was... That was lovely that was a delight yeah. as well the the turn and the left foot pass for, for Patterson and that's exactly what Swansea need uh, more often is is runners in behind Pyro because there are times where there's, there's it doesn't happen often enough so more of that they'll score more goals they'll create more chances which is the thing that's holding them back at the minute QPR 2 Birmingham nil. Elias Chair scoring both is worth pointing out he was absolutely pissing it down at this game I don't think we've seen rain this much rain at a game um, in a long time in the championship uh, but Rangers were on a run of one point from four games prior to this so without a doubt a much needed victory for QPR Justin yeah, the, the, the win is important the clean sheet is is just as important for me as well because they've been conceding a lot of really poor goals of late as well so to keep Birmingham City out was was um, an absolute must I don't think Dieng had a save to make um, I think that was one from Chong uh, in the first half, but it was going wide. But Deng was there, um, but they, you know, QPR did a really good job of limiting Birmingham City's um, threats, and it was a good all-round performance in what was a, a horrendous uh, downpour. Yeah, I thought it was a fairly even game actually. Birmingham missed a couple of great chances, particularly that Chong one as you mentioned. I'm not sure how he's not scored there, uh, but QPR could argue they could have won by more. The only real difference on the night was that man. Elias Chair, who's had, I wouldn't say a disappointing start to the season, but I was expecting better, to say the very least, because he, he's been a bit stop-starty and 
this is just the kind of game where it shows how good a player he can be and how important a player he can be for QPR. So if he puts in more performances like this, then you know sky's the limit for QPR, as we all know. Um, but Birmingham are another of those teams who start the season really well, but have dropped off since around the international break. They've only got one point from their last four, Justin. To be fair, in this game, if Chong scores and Sarkic does a bit better with that first chair goal, then it's a different game. But they're going through a bit of a sticky patch, aren't they, Birmingham? They are, and as you pointed out, they are getting into good positions, but I just fear they lack a bit of... Um, they just lack a bit of... Clinicalness. I, I always get that word absolutely messed up, but they're not as clinical as other teams in and around yeah. mid table to mid table are, and I think that's something that holds them back. And when again, you've got the likes of Troy Deeney and Lukas Djokovic, maybe less so Djokovic and, and Hogan. Actually, you should be scoring more, really. But um, I mean, they are creating chances, which is the important thing. It's just putting them away, and the more often they do that, the more often these games turn to, turn into draws. Yeah, it's a bit weird. Birmingham fans are trying to, you know, pinpoint what is actually going wrong at the moment, but there doesn't seem to be a consensus about what the issue is, really. There's been speculation that Troy Deeney's arrival may have upset the apple cart a bit, but there's got to be something deeper. In the performances themselves, they're just not looking like the team that we saw earlier in the season. I know that's a very general point to make, but it's as I say, it's hard to pinpoint what exactly isn't going right for Birmingham at the moment. But it is just a small run where they're not getting results. They could easily turn it around. Huddersfield got just their second win from five games after winning 3-2 against Blackburn. And this was much better from the Terriers, Justin. Yeah, as a as a game and a half, wasn't it? It was it was one of those games that was, was back and forth. It was really good to watch. Um and as you say, it was it was much better from Huddersfield. It was a little bit chaotic at times and I'm sure yeah. Um, I'm sure the supporters won't won't want that, but when you've got two good attacking teams going at each other, it's exactly what you want um, as a neutral, anyway. Um, but it was a, it was a big win for Huddersfield, and again, it just quietens down some of the the murmurs of people wanting Cobb right now. It's just so bizarre. They're, they're they're showing very sort of standard mid-table form, which is where you want Huddersfield Town to be. Of course, they're going to be in and around, or they're looking like they're going to be in and around the playoffs at the moment, but. They will drop off again at some point. It's just making sure you stick with the team because they're a good side. They showed that here because they beat a good side in Blackburn. Well, they were attacking from the off and they seem to look a lot better when they are playing on the front foot. I think it suits a lot of the players that they've got a lot better as well, particularly Sorba Thomas, who was you know, back to his best here with two assists and going back to the chance-creating machine that we've seen plenty <laughs> of times so far this season. But this win means Huddersfield are now joint on points with their opponents here. A very chalk-and-cheese performance for Blackburn with Ben Brereton-Diaz scoring two again. He's now on nine for the season. Ben Brereton, as an Englishman, got 18 goals in 145 appearances. Ben Brereton-Diaz, as a Chilean, got nine goals in 10 matches now. So... There you go. He he's a different man when he changes into uh, nationality, and I think others should maybe consider doing the same from the looks of it. But the, the issue is with Blackburn; they were very open at the back here. It doesn't help when Huddersfield are attacking as much as they are, but they gave them plenty of space. And my instinct is, Justin, is that defensively Blackburn aren't good enough 
defensively to finish in the top six this season. I know you were saying at the weekend that they're kind of sleepwalking into a promotion challenge. But when you consider they've only got two clean sheets all season, Thomas Kaminsky has had to make the second most saves in the division. I don't think they can be that open all season and still get into the top six. I acknowledge they've still got Bradley Johnson to come back, which may solidify things up at the back, but they've got to seriously tighten up and otherwise it's just not going to happen. They, I don't think they can get in the top six this season because you've got to be you know, good at both ends of the pitch, haven't you? And Blackburn so far have shown that they're not that. Got good defenders, but just something's not working at the moment. Um, and it's got to be said, if they do tighten up at the back, it may hinder them going forwards as well. So, it's a tricky balancing act for Tony Mowbray, is what I'm trying to say. Anyway, let's have a break. After that, we'll talk about a draw between Bournemouth and Peterborough and Forrest's second win of the season. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcast. Bournemouth were dislodged from the top of the table after drawing 0-0 away at Peterborough. There were two big chances for Bournemouth to win it, but they weren't taken. So you can only really call this a missed opportunity for the Cherries, can't you, Justin? A little bit, yes. It's pretty much nailed on. It's a game where there wasn't too many chances. So if one comes along, you've, you've got to take it. And I think Slanky fired one over the bar, which is a frustrating um, frustrating for him and Bournemouth because he's been in such good form this season but it's it's a point away from home and if obviously if you're going for the playoffs or even top two drawing your games away from home isn't the worst thing I think because it's come up against Peterborough Bournemouth will be expecting to win because they've been struggling of late Peterborough um, but it's not that easy in the Championship as we well know they, they, they were, Bournemouth it's worth pointing out that they also drew against Hull nil-nil um, so there's a problem against uh, the uh, teams that are in the division well, you say that, they've also drawn against Blackpool this season, so they've drawn yeah. against all three of the promoted teams. They've also drew against West Brom, but that doesn't fit my narrative, so we'll ignore that. But they've, they're still unbeaten this season, and then won all the other games. So why they can't beat the promoted teams, two of which have really struggled so far this season, is a bit of an odd one, really, but um, something for Scott Parker to work on. Um, still, as I say, joint top of the table, even though they're not at the tippy top anymore. Uh, but Peterborough actually all right at home is what the fans have been telling me because I was saying in the podcast at the weekend that they haven't looked very good at all so far this season. But then posh fans did point out that at home they do look a better side than they do away. Still not getting the points on the board, Justin. And it's all right playing OK at home, but you need to get points on the board if you want to have any chance of staying up don't you Justin? Yeah you're spot on um, it's alright playing alright at home but as you say if you if you want to get out of the relegation zone if you want to be a championship side you've got to you've got to turn the draws into wins and Peterborough probably don't do that often enough which is why they're down there um, but I, I think this game in isolation it's a good point isn't it it's a good point against a, a promotion chasing side who have a lot of a lot more resources and certainly better quality players so there's a positive to take out of it for sure only one shot on target in this game for Peterborough. So, Clean sheet. I, I think got away with one is what we'll say on that from their perspective. Forrest got their second win of the season away at Barnsley. They won 3-1 after coming back from a goal down. 
This is the forest we were expecting to see this season, Justin. They started off with a 3-4-3 and on paper it looked very tasty, but it didn't really work for the first 60 <laughs> minutes. And then they brought on Lewis Graben for a defender and then they just looked like a different team, didn't they? They were they were superb. They had more possession than the opposition. They had more shots. They had more corners. They were just an attacking threat. And um, I I said at the weekend that I worried a little bit because it was more of the same against Millwall for Forest. But this is a completely different side that we saw. It was it was a very good attacking outlet, especially when the likes of um, Lewis Graben came on, as you say, and Alex Martin as well. They were they were game changers, and that shows St- Steve Cooper's uh, ability as a head coach because he, he's he's able to make these subs at the right times, change the game. And Barnsley, there are difficult outfits to break down, um, but some of the goals that Barnsley uh, Forest scored were were superb. They were incisive and ruthless, which is not something that we've associated with Forest probably since Sabri Lamusha was in charge. Yeah, it was poetry emotion at times, wasn't it? <laughs> that first goal, the Zinconaga goal, was just fantastic. The link-up between him and Brennan Johnson was just, ah, oh, chef's kiss. And then the second goal was also a bit of a chef's kiss as well. Zinconaga this time setting up Brennan Johnson, and he buried it. was just class. And I, I do look at Brennan Johnson, and he's hopefully this gives him a bit of confidence because he was so good for Lincoln last season. He's someone I really expected to step up for them this season. And he's done it in spits and spats but obviously when you look at Forest results not enough but hopefully this is the kind of performance that really gives him confidence to be the player that we were hoping he would be this season and that will be massive news for Forest because he is a class player and uh, Zinconagel as well he will help with him as well because I think he had the lowest points per game for any player in the division so far this season so him getting a win here gets rid of that statistic at the very least uh, but yeah good really good performance from Forrest in the final 30 minutes whatever the case um, Barnsley now without a win in 8 and still very much on my concern list Justin mentioned it before where you know governments and health bodies have things that they're concerned about their concern watch list or what have you Barnsley still very much on my concern watch list because they're not looking very good. Millwall didn't draw a game, Justin. They didn't draw. They beat Bristol City 1-0, just their second win of the season. Um, very little between these two teams. It's got to be said in the end it was a Jed Wallace penalty, which proved to be the difference. Um, what did you make of the game? As as you quite rightly pointed out, it was a game that wasn't too much too much in it. I think um, I think Benny Kofobi had a couple of chances, which is which is good to see. Um, but as you say, it's, uh, Millwall are just lacking a little bit of something at the minute and it's very, very frustrating because they've got all the players, they've got the, the all the, the the complete recipe and ingredients here to, to do something good. And although they have won, um, they, they can be better. I think Bristol City were were a difficult side to break down. A little bit disappointed Bristol City's performance, actually, especially going forwards on the counter. I thought they could have um, carried that on carried their good form on from, from, from the weekend but it wasn't the case but um, certainly if, if Millwall can t- turn the draws into wins they'd be a top six team easily that's the frustrating thing they've got a lot of quality all around the pitch it's just finding the uh, the right balance they've been weirdly open at the back this season and mm-hmm. even though they did get a clean sheet here they were still giving away a decent amount of chances and on a different day Bristol City could have very easily um, nicked a point here and that would have just been another draw to 
pile the pressure on Gary Drawer but this obviously eases the pressure on him um, which he'll be very grateful for Bristol City were getting better so this is a bit of a setback from their perspective but it wasn't a home performance so you know they played better than they usually do um, Craig Forsyth header saw Derby beat Reading 1-0 credit where credit's due what a header that is if he meant it uh, yeah it surprised me a bit because I saw the cross come in and I where I'm sat at the ground I've got a very good angle of that far side uh, where, where the, the, the goal they scored in and it seemed to take about 10 minutes for the ball to come down um, it was a strange goal for Reading to concede but um, Derby created a lot of chances in this game there was, there was going to be a goal at some point just didn't expect it to come from the left back hasn't scored for five years yeah well Derby also had a very obvious penalty not <laughs> yeah. even for handball I think everyone in the ground knew that was a penalty except for the linesman and the referee because as handballs go, Justin, how is this not being given? It's it's bizarre, isn't it? And um, I, I generally thought the officials yesterday at the Derby game were, were really poor. Um, it's It seems to be an ongoing issue um, at, at Pride Park at the moment, not to speculate on any conspiracy theories or anything. Um, but officials have been poor. I think it is just coincidence. Um, but, I mean, officials have been poor all around the country. I've seen some bizarre decisions given um especially over the, the the latest round of games actually um but it just goes to show that there is a, a real lack of quality amongst officials at the moment because there were some bizarre decisions last night in the game very very poor officiating which is something we've never said before about referees in the championship is it um but derby they're, they're solid at the back aren't they and this was another game where they showed that they restricted reading to essentially half chances and that's just what Derby are doing. They just keep chugging along. If it wasn't for the points deduction, they'd be 11th now. And they're now on positive points. have wiped out the 12-point deduction. Of course, they've possibly got another one coming along. But, yeah, Wayne Rooney's doing a really, really good job at Derby, despite everything that's going on. And that solid foundation at the back is what that is built upon. So, yeah, Derby looking very good, but proving to be a difficult side to break down. Um, Reading obviously on a decent run themselves prior to this game, so they'll be disappointed that they were the second-best team here. Hall picked up their first point from four games, but are still without a win in nine after drawing one all with Blackpool. Hall had a man sent off in the 80th minute, but managed to grab an equaliser a few minutes later. So, a missed opportunity for the Seasiders, perhaps? Definitely. I think Crisley said himself that he was very disappointed with the, with the performance from the players, and obviously for, for Hall to go down to 10 men, they don't score many goals with 11 players on the pitch. So for them to pick one up with 10, and it looked like they, they could go on to win it. I think it was Tyler Smith who um, who had a shot towards the end of the game. It just I think it just got tipped wide. So um, they, they could have easily won it, which, yeah, as as Critchley would have pointed out, it was a disappointing performance all round for, for Blackpool. It was a missed opportunity for sure. But again, it's another game where they've, they've not lost um, and they're, they're still looking good. Just need to be a, a little bit better to see the game out. Yeah, that late Tom Eves goal keeps Grant McCann in a job for now. Can't guarantee that will last though because many Hull fans still want to see a change. Having said that, they've got Middlesbrough at the weekend who aren't having the best of times at the moment themselves, even though they did win on Tuesday night. And then finally, Preston won, Stoke won. Brilliant free kick from Ben Whiteman in this game. It was, what, you're not a fan? I thought the keeper could have saved it. I'll be honest with you. I thought I thought the free kick was quite central. He hit it very nicely, but it wasn't it wasn't out of the keeper's sort of reach. He should have done better there, Adam Davis. 
I'm, I'm not going to argue with you, Justin. Of course, you've got a great reputation for set <laughs> Bend it like peach is what they say around the Sunday league circuit. Um, Stoke were clearly the better team here. They definitely should have got three points. But um, watch out, Millwall, Preston having a, their own crack at trying to break the draw record this season because they've got a five now, I believe. So uh, it's going to be a tight race between Preston and Millwall to see who does get the <laughs> the holy grail of the draw record. Right, now it's time for this. Yes, it's time for the news. And I will be honest, Justin, there isn't much news this week, so we'll keep this bit brief. Steve McLaren has stepped down as technical director at Derby after the club went into administration. He offered to leave to help to preserve other jobs at the football club, which is a nice gesture. Gesture? Gesture? Gesture from old Stevie Mac, isn't it? He's a, he's a hero. I, I love the guy to bits. Um, he, he gets a bad rap, and I understand why, but... As far as his contribution to Derby County goes, it's up there with with a lot. He's a he's such a good guy, and um, yeah, it's it's a shame to to see him that, that that association leave. But I'm sure a fifth spell is on the card somewhere. I think he's still doing some sort of part time role. I might be incorrect yeah, in saying that, but he, he's still hanging around in some way or another. But he's obviously just not being paid as much as he was before. So well done, Stevie Mac. Bristol City manager Nigel Pearson has tested positive for COVID nineteen. The fifty eight year old missed the game against Millwall and will also miss the game this weekend. Of course, we wish you a speedy recovery, Big Nige. The Wales squad has been announced, and it includes none other than Huddersfield's Sorba Thomas. He was only playing for Boreham Wood earlier this year, Justin. So an incredible rise up the ranks for him. But you got to say, it's thoroughly deserved, isn't it? Because he has been one of the best players in the Championship so far this season. Creatively, he's, he's uh, such an asset to, to Huddersfield. And um, as we saw with the, the midweek games, grabbed another two assists after some sort of poor form, relatively poor form from his Sanders. But yeah, what he's going to add to that well squad is... is um, yeah, a lot of quality going going forwards, which I feel is something that sometimes Wales lack. I mean, I, I don't watch the games on the regular, but he adds a bit of zest that I think uh, that I think Wales need. He's only a young lad, isn't he? And Wales yeah. have shown in the past that they're not afraid to call up players who are playing in the football league. I mean, they haven't got much choice because there aren't an abundance of Premier League Welsh players going around. But Sorba Thomas has been class he's been cream of the crop really um, mm. from the Welsh players in the championship so far this season so I'm all for it. Stoke and Barnsley have been fined a total of 18 grand after the touchline handbags involving their staff the other week um, I noticed that Stoke got fined more than Barnsley which I found a bit interesting because I thought the Barnsley coach instigated the whole thing but nonetheless and finally QPR have been given planning permission to build a new £30 million training ground so well done to them right now it's time for this alright alright settle down you lot it's time for the Craig Bryson pub quiz yes Mr Barman it is the Craig Bryson pub quiz this is the part of the show where i'm going to give justin six clues about a championship legend who's made at least 200 championship appearances all he's got to do is guess who it is in the six clues of course me and justin we spar back and forth over this and the score is currently two nil to me justin still yet to get off the mark the pressure's on the fans are calling for his head can he keep his head in these troubled, troubled times. If he doesn't get this right, then I could end up with a three-point lead and be well on my way to winning the title 
before Christmas. So, Justin, are you ready for the first clue? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go. Nice one. I've made 221 championship appearances, scoring 59 goals. Uh, Nathan Lang. Ugh, God, that was a good start. <laughs> Nathan. <laughs> uh, it's a hard word, hard name to say first thing in the morning. Nathan Ellington. Is this a sign of the pressure building on Justin? I don't uh, want to say. It's not Nathan Ellington. I made my professional debut for St Mirren in 1996. Dougie Friedman. It's not Dougie Friedman, but good to hear him mentioned. In the second tier, I've played for seven different teams, including Watford, Colchester and Burnley. Chris Ulumo. It is Chris Ulumo, ladies and gentlemen. Going he is back. finally off the mark. <laughs> he managed to keep his head in these troubled times and it has eased the pressure for now. What, what was that which um, triggered Chris Ulumo in your head? It's the Colchester giveaway, like same as Greg Colchester. Alford last week. They're a weak point because they're such an iconic squad for a season. Um, I'm sure Jamie Curitan might come up at some point, but yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah they're, they're a giveaway. They don't really have an abundance of players who have come through the Colchester ranks, do they? Should have left them out, damn it! Um, the final clues, if you just want to hear them quickly. I'm one of only a handful of players to play in the top five divisions of English football and internationally. I played for Wolves in the Premier League but failed to score in 15 appearances. And I'm probably most famous for my miss for Scotland in 2008, which I've admitted has tortured me ever since. So Chris Uwalumo is the answer on this week's uh, Craig Bryson pub quiz. I was going to say Simon Grayson's hateful eight there. Um, so it's now 2-1 to me. Justin is back in the game. Look at the smile on his face. You can't see this, ladies and gentlemen, but he has got a right Cheshire Cat grin going on right now. He is happy to have finally you know, broken his duck for the season. So well done, Justin. I'm proud of you because it was getting a bit sad watching you <laughs> lose every single week. Yeah. Uh, so this has been the Second Tier Podcast. This has been the Midweek Review Show. We'll be back again on Sunday to talk through all the games this weekend and we look forward to seeing you then. Uh, Justin, we've got a bit of time left. Any wild predictions for this weekend? Um, my kitchen's done, so I'm not going to be doing that. Um, in terms so of boring. wild, so it's just the boring. life. The life of someone in their mid to late twenties is 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 house renovations and dog walking. Um, I mean, I might get a takeaway on Saturday, but I had one last week. So, as far as wild predictions go, I, I can't really comment. No, Mike, I, I meant for the championship, <laughs> not you yourself. But uh, at least uh, you've exposed how dull your life is at the moment. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to watch James Bond tomorrow night on Friday night. Oh, okay. Are you there a you James wild. Bond fan? I do. Uh, I do love James Bond. I had those magazines back when I was about twelve years old. Okay. Collected them for a while. Yeah. Okay. I, 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 I've, I've watched some of the more recent films. I'm not a big fan of the old ones, but I've heard good reviews about this one, so I'll probably watch it at some point. Um, well, thank you, Justin, for letting us have a little peek into your weekend i'm sure it's going to be rowdy as ever um as always ladies and gentlemen may i remind you about who knows wins that is coming up this weekend and uh, you can win you've got another chance to win big prizes just by correctly predicting the results from the three o'clock championship games on saturday so make sure you get involved it's only three pounds to enter uh, of course justin won big last weekend can you match him this weekend let's wait and see so this has been the second tier podcast we'll be back again on sunday i've been ryan dilks 
I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.